Thank you for being here. July 4th weekend, correct? Yeah. A uh, lot of things to be grateful for. I'm sure we can find 20 things to complain about, but there are a lot of things to be grateful for. Would you agree? Yeah. All right. So we, I, we're going to do some questions here. And if you get the answer right, we have some safe and sane snakes, some unicorn poop, it's called. Not sure about that one. And something like a killer bees or something like that, okay? Now, these are all safe and sane, and if you win them, I expect that you're going to let these off in a city that allows fireworks, correct? I appreciate that. Yep. Doesn't come back to me, right? Okay, so, uh, first question, July 4th, celebrating what? Independence Day, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Okay. Does anybody in here have a fun fact? I know there are history buffs in here, and I know there's one specific to my left called John Orr that probably has something good. What do you got? Amazing. Amazing. You, sir, can pick whatever firework you would like. All right. While he, while he is coming up here to pick this, which one would you like? I'll take the snakes. All right, the snakes. Oh, we have sparklers, too, by the way. No. Thank you. sparklers. Okay. Now, here's my second question on this. Who was the youngest author, or actually, I should say, who actually authored most of the Declaration of Independence? Like, authored almost all of it. Anybody? Yes. That's right, come on up. Thomas Jefferson. Now, for the hardest one, how old was Thomas Jefferson when he completed this document? What would you like? All right. How old, does anybody know? What'd you say? Who said that? Smart man, 33, come on up. 33. The man was 33 years old. So if you're like me near mid-crisis, right, like life, and you're like, what have I done with my life? What would you like, sir? Killer bees, unicorns, snakes? You want the killer bees? All right, good choice, good choice. And you're thinking, Man, by 33, this man wrote this document. It was unbelievable, right? Changed the course of history. Um, some of the people involved were in their 20s. I think one guy was 20 years old. Do you know who the oldest person was that was involved in this? He used to fly, what? Yes, whoever, who said that first? All right, come on up. You can come and get something too. Okay, so... It's amazing. We have a lot to be grateful for, and there's amazing facts, and I appreciate you guys that know. You want unicorn? Yes. Hey, that's a hard find. Okay, we have some announcements. First, I wanted to highlight Jamie Dino sent this out, and I want to make sure this is, this is still on. Okay, uh, Andy Aram, right, is now going to be painting... Uh, is going to be your artist for the day or for the night for the professionals on this painting night. So if you're professionals, please go Friday, July 8th. All right. 
Uh, next week's service, this just in, Marcel sent this to me this morning. Uh, next week's service isn't here, it's at the park. I believe that's Irvine Regional Park, didn't specify, I should have asked, that's my bad. It is? Okay, Irvine Regional Park, and there's gonna be a volleyball tournament. So if you play volleyball, come on out. I saw a big like this down here. You gonna win? You're gonna take it all, lice, I like that. Okay, so, last time, Marcel was crazy enough to have me come up here and talk. We talked about David and Goliath, right? And we talked about Goliath being the exposer, the accuser. He wedged himself in between the real battle to try to dissuade the army of God, the Israelites, or the Jews, the Hebrews at the time, to not get into the fight. And he tried to use everything to accuse them. And every morning they would wake up and they'd pray. And they would ask for God and they'd recognize God. And then Goliath would come out and they'd be in fear and they'd back down and the day was gone. And this went on for 40 days, 40 nights. And then who, who ended up stepping in? David, right? And he beat down Goliath, not with the tool he normally used, but the tool of Saul's people who were experts in slings. And it was with God's might that he knocked out the wedge, what stood in between the real battle. And so I want to stick with the 40-day theme. There's a lot of 40-day themes in the Bible, a lot of 40 days, 40 nights. What are the other 40 days and 40 nights that we know of? Or let's say just the word 40. I heard something over here. Wandering in the desert for 40 years. What else? The flood, Noah's ark, right? 40 days and 40 nights. Yes. Jesus was tempted in the desert and fasted for 40 days. Elijah traveled for 40 days and 40 nights. Moses twice went up to Mount Sinai and sat with God 40 days and 40 nights. And the list goes on and on and on. Goliath over and over and over. And so I want to talk about Noah. Um, Noah's fun. Uh, it's an amazing story, uh, a, a somewhat mythical story that seems to have happened so far ago that it's hard to identify with, but something that um, was unbelievable. And we're going to explore a little bit about Noah. So when I was searching Noah, I looked up, and on Amazon, right, I found, hey, need an ark, I know a guy, da dun dun right? I found out the reason why we don't have unicorns is they were like, oh, we got the date wrong? That was today, right? And I found out some stuff about Noah. Apparently, he was stunningly handsome with charisma, okay? Um, but there's all kinds of trinkets about Noah. They've made movies about Noah. Which of these characters do you think best represents Noah? Steve Carell? <laughs> Russell Crowe? Did anyone see that movie, by the way, with Russell Crowe? Yeah, did you like it? Okay, so the director said it was the most unbiblical, biblical movie he's ever made that's ever been produced. All right? I don't know what happened. I didn't see it, but apparently that's what he said. And then I went with a picture that you can't see that's old and it didn't look like him. And then I just typed in, hey, Israeli shepherd. And the guy on the right is what popped up. So we're going to go with him. Maybe that's what Noah looked like at the time, right? Who would you imagine? So Noah's name, where does that come from? His father, Lamech. So open up your Bibles. If you have a real Bible, open it up. If you're doing the, 
technology thing like me, open up your phone, and we're going to read a few chapters, and we're going to learn a little bit about Noah, okay? And we're going to start in Genesis chapter 5, at the end of the chapter, and we'll start in verse 28, okay? If I start and you're not there, just jump over to chapter 6, and we'll pick it up there. So where he gets his name, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah. Now, I'm going to do his pronunciation once. You're going to do it with me a second time, and then we're going to keep it at Noah, right? But it was Noach. Noach. It was like, like that C-H. Okay? I'm terrible at it. So are you. I just found out. Noach. Okay? Now that that is, we're going to call him Noah, because I'm not going to spit in the microphone all morning. Okay? And so he said, he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands, Caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. So Noah's name actually meant rest. He will give people rest, which is really interesting because the passage in the welcome this morning dealt with rest and talked about getting rest. And Noah was to get people to rest, to comfort them in their toil over the ground that God had cursed from who? Cain, right? Cain. And so Noah was to do this, and he was set aside, and, and he, he was to do what his name said. So we're going to go over to chapter 6, start in verse 5. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth. By the way, that old picture with um, Steve Carell, who's, who's in that picture with him? Morgan Freeman. Is he not the best voice that you could hear if you thought that's what God sounds like? <laughs> the best. I'm telling you, I wish I could talk like him right now. Amazing. And so I'll go back to this. Sorry, right in the middle. His heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I had made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below a roof, right below the roof, an opening of one cubit high. Now, a cubit is normally measured as from the tips of the fingers to the elbow, or what people commonly will say then, 18 inches. That's one cubit, 18 inches. So right below the roof, he says, hey, right below the roof, almost make this little sunroof, and you're going to make it 18 inches by 18 inches. Okay, it's a little window, if you want to call it. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. So we have three decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life 
under the heaven, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, and you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you and be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded. We're going to continue on. Into 7, chapter 7. The Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I'm going to send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Jump down to verse 13. On that very day, Noah and his son, Shem, Ham, Jepheth, together with his wife and the wives of the three sons, entered the ark. They had with them every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves along the ground according to its, its kind, and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that had breath in them, of life in them, came to Noah and entered the ark. These animals, the animals going in were male and female of every living thing, as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. All right. So we have, like I said, this fantastic, mythical, before we can understand story of this guy named Noah, who's going to provide rest for the toilsome labor of people. And God says, you know what? The earth is too much. It's too corrupt. I got to destroy it. And he sees this one person. He says, but this guy is righteous. And so we have this righteous person. He decides he's going to save, that he calls him blameless. And he tells Noah to do all these plans. He says, hey, you got to do it to detail. It has to be this many cubits by this. Got to have three levels with a roof. And right before, below that roof, I just want an 18-inch by 18-inch cutout. Your window, if you want to say and Noah did it. And all the creatures came to him. He's like Dr. Doolittle of the universe. Right? All these animals come to him somehow. And he's there and he loads them in. And the family loads in. And God says, it's going to rain. I'm going to destroy it. Get in that ark. And they go in the ark. And who closes it for them? God himself. It says, God, Noah does everything commanded. And God shuts them in. Now, for some of you Bible scholars, that's my uh, Dr. Doolittle right there with the animals. For some of you Bible scholars, uh, the flood. How many cultures out there have stories of floods that predate the biblical story? A lot. Okay? A lot. And I'm not going to go into all this detail of this. You get bored. But this is the recounting of God's relationship with man. And I got some more questions that you could win prizes if you're scholars. But when this happens and the earth floods, now you can say it was a regional flood, a global flood. You can find every expert out there that'll tell you. They'll say a flood occurred because we have it in so many different writings and cultures. It had something cataclysmic had to occur. But we don't know if it was Fertile Crescent, was it Black Sea, was it global? Okay. But what story, let's say it's global and the earth is covered with water, what story does this mimic in the Bible? 
the earth was covered with water. Huh? Creation. Who said creation? All right, come on up. You can get it. Fireworks. Just come. I'm going to keep talking. You can come up and pick whatever you want. So we have a mimicking creation again. Here's another question. What passage in the Bible is Noah, or how is Noah related? Thank you. What'd you get? Unicorn, of course. What passage in the Bible is, is Noah related to Moses? How is Noah and Moses related? Okay, what do we got? Yes, sir. They were both saved through water, and the same name for Moses' basket is the same name for Moses' ark. Moses was saved by water and a basket. Noah was saved in an ark by water. Okay? And later we'll see Peter talk about how we're saved by water. Okay? Very interesting. Great job. Come on up. Get something. In fact, I think that's the last one. Just take the bag. You got the bag. Okay. So, um, back to Dr. Doolittle. Okay, so, brief overview, right, of, of this whole thing. Um, we have this guy identified as Noah who's super righteous, walks with God, he's blameless. God says, I'm going to save you and I'm going to save your family. Go in this ark, make it this big, put pitch on the inside and outside, three levels with a roof, with a little window that's up to the roof, skylight, however you want to call it. He does it all, he gets all these animals, and he shuts them in. Now, I want to go back to being called, Noah being called righteous, because that was an unbelievable term that not even Abraham nor Moses was even called. And there was something about the way that Noah walked with God, that he obeyed every command, and he waited as if he waited for God to tell him to do something, and then he acted on it. He waits patiently for God, and in turn, God waits patiently for him, the man who walks with him, the man who's interested in what he has to say and what he wants him to do. God says, I'll be patient with you, even though the world is violent and I want to destroy it, build this ark. And we saw in verse 15 and 16, and I keep highlighting, I'm going to highlight again. It says, this is how you, have, you, are, this is how you are to build it. The ark is to be three cubits long. And he says, make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high, 18 inches, and put a door in the side. And so Noah does it, gets his family, and they enter the ark. It's supposed to be dripping. It was animated. It was really cool. It's not doing it, all right? Um, so then we read in Genesis 7:16 that the Lord shuts them in. So that's kind of act one, this mythical story, and we're going to jump from act one to the end, act three. Go to Genesis 8, verses 13. Now we have this set up. Who is this Noah? Why did he choose him? An amazing story. We're going to start in verse 13. It says, By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. And then Noah, Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark! 
You and your wife and your sons and your wives bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, all the creatures that move along the ground, so they can multiply in the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out, together with his sons and his wife and his wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground, all the birds, everything that moves on land came out of the ark, one after the other. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, taking some of the clean animals and clean birds he sacrificed burnt offering on it. The Lord smelled that it was pleasing, it was a pleasing aroma, and he said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And ever again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Chapter 9. Then, Lord ble- then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts on the earth and the birds in the sky and every creature that moves along the ground. And then he goes in, Hey, I don't want you to eat meat that has blood on it. Don't, if you shed human blood, then... Your blood should be shed as well. And in verse 7, he says, As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply in the earth and increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, the wild animals, all that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on the earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will it be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between you and me and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become flood to destroy all life. Verse 17. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant. Verse 18. The sons, of the, Noah, the sons of Noah came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Verse 29. Now Noah was a man of soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. Remember, he was going to bring rest, right? Proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's naked body. Their faces turned from one way so that they would not see their father naked. When Noah woke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan. The lowest of slaves will he, will he be to his brothers. He also said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of them. May God extend Jepheth's territory from Jepheth live in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be the slave of Jepheth. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. Noah lived a total of 950 years and he died. So, God says, get off the boat. He gets off the boat. He gets everybody off the boat. He says, hey, thank you so much. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to build this altar. I'll sacrifice. God says, I made this covenant. It's going to be a rainbow. I'm going to protect you now. I'll never do this to the earth again. And then Noah decides, I'm going to plant a vineyard. I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to take off my clothes. And something weird is going to happen. My sons are going to come in. Something will happen in exchange with them. I'm going to get in a huge argument and a fight with them, and then I'm going to curse my son, and then I die. So we go from the righteous man, blameless, walking with God, mythical, we got an ark, we got a rainbow, God shuts him in, to this man dying after he plants a vineyard, gets drunk, does something weird, shameful, curses his son blesses his other, and then dies. 
And so I think in reality, if you were to say you went through something and when you dealt with it, you thought there is a God, I know there's a God, I love God, and I'm going to worship God, however, I'm going to go numb out. And when I numb out, it's going to end in an argument. And I'm going to be upset. And I'm going to yell. And I'm going to get frustrated. I think the second half of that story, Act 3, mimics our lives and the life of man, women, more than the first. How do we identify with a mystical thing, with this get on this ark and throw pitch? That's tough. But I can identify with people getting upset and trying to numb out with something and it creating discourse between. You agree? All right. So we got to figure out what happened, and we're going to go to Act 2 and figure out how did this all occur. At first glance, we say, okay, so here's a man of the soil. He's supposed to bring rest. He's doing something with the soil. But where does he get the idea to plant a vineyard? Did God say, hey, Noah, open a winery, right? Bring some charcuterie boards, invite people over. You're going to have wine. It's the cool new thing. Noah, the head of the wineries, right? I enjoy wine, so I brought up the winery, okay? Does that, is that what he says? No, in fact, there's no commands from God on what Noah's actually supposed to do when he gets off the ark. So let's look at this. We'll talk about a little bit about traumatic events. So we have this rain going, right? And God says, I'm going to destroy everything, but I'm going to save you. I picked you. You're righteous. It's on your shoulders. He does everything he says. God makes him safe. Noah did all as commanded. And then the rain starts to come down. Okay? And he's thinking, imagine you're Noah, and you're thinking, okay, this is what God told me. It's happening. It's happening. We're going for this. This is incredible. It's really going to happen. And then all these people, maybe your friends and family members, I don't know if they were there or not. I don't know if they came up and said, you're an idiot, like in the movies. They might have. But it starts to rain. And the rain gets bigger and the floods come up from the ground. And let's read this. This one's out. I got to look over here. I'll just look it up on my phone. Genesis 7, starting verse 17. So we got to imagine this, right? Starting verse 17. For 40 days the flood kept coming in the earth, and as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to the depth of more than 15 cubits. Every living thing that moved on land perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth, and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. And the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. So we got to think here. Here they are. They're in the ark. And what's going on all around them? 
death. My neighbor, my friend. In fact, let's do this. Uh, let me get eight people up here. Just eight people. Anybody? Just in the front, you want to come up? Let's go uh, four women, four men. Come on up. Thank you. Four women, four men. I'll use you too. All right. So now you just stand next to each other, right? You're play married. All right. So we have Noah, right, and his wife. And we have three sons. We almost have everybody. We don't have enough, but almost, okay? And we have the sons and the wives. Now imagine all of you are wiped out. Right? Thank you. Thank you, Kenny. All of you are wiped out. All your friends, all your neighbors, the people that you talked to maybe the day before, everything you love, your, maybe your favorite animal wasn't one of the ones chosen. Your favorite flowers, your place to hike, everything you enjoyed. You can sit down. Thank you. Everything you enjoyed in life is gone. And you're on a ship like this, and the waters, this was a great one too. You would have felt like you were in the waters if it was moving. The waters are moving, and it's dark inside. We have a roof, and then what do we have? A 18-inch by 18-inch window below the roof that's up here. How would you feel if your entire block was wiped out? Those are real relationships with real people who might have heard them, not to be too graphic, screaming. I don't want to put anything to the text, but you can imagine we have to do something, and we can't. This is what God wanted. He shut us in. And you watched them, or I guess you didn't watch them, but you heard them as the voices disappear. So what do you think's going on? You had, oh, I'm sorry. You had a 40 days and 40 nights followed by 150 days in an ark. Maybe dark most of the time, except for our little window that we have by the top. Did no one know God's plan? Like, what was the plan after he said, hey, I'm going to wipe everybody out? Do you remember? Nothing. We look back and we say, oh, he should know this. It's just a momentary thing, and then he's going to be fine. You go through momentary struggles, and you should be fine. Momentary things happen in your life. God's in control. You should be fine. But if we don't know where we're going, is it hard to accept that sometimes? And God has his plan, and we believe God has his plan, but sometimes... We don't know what's around the next corner. And so, silence. Can't see it. But silence, the screen's actually black right now if you're looking on here. Radio is gone. Noah's in this with his family. Things are dying. It's traumatic and it's tragedy. And God is nowhere to be found. God does not talk to them. They do not know what's going on. And I want to play this real quick, this video, if we can watch it. And this, try to get some of the mindset 
of maybe what Noah's thinking or feeling. If we could turn it up. recognize this pain broke in and took it all took the song from the springtime and the dance from the flame took the noonday warmth and the morning hush now the ground's spilling beneath me the ropes are uncoiling, the trees are leafless, the sky is torn. My breath's a broken feather, there's no beauty left. There's nothing here for me, I'm paper thin. 150 days. I'm in a room of shadows and it's caving in. I'm turning in circles, I'm giving up. The world is giddy, the sense is gone. The floor is an ocean, I'm sinking in. Where are you now? Where is your touch? Where is the reason, the answer, the end? Now I'm chasing your shadow and I'm grasping for questions. I'm calling out, I'm asking why. Yet when I turn, you turn. Can you imagine the internal thoughts and dialogue going on in Noah's mind? Hundred and fifty days, that's months. He can't see what's going on. He can't see what's about to happen. He doesn't know what the plan is, but he followed the plan the entire time. Let's pick it up in Genesis 8. In the first line, it says, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. God remembered? Oh, thanks, God. I'm glad you could remember me. It feels like you forgot me. And I was different. I was righteous. I was blameless. And I did everything you said. Where are you? What is the plan? And God in the meantime is holding the plan and he's like, I remember you. Now know that that is just a biblical tool. Remembering doesn't mean God forgot Noah. It means that he remembers who he was. His character. But we don't know this. No one doesn't know this at this point. This is understood way later when God explains himself to mankind on our relationship with him. But he sits there and you doubt and you wonder. And then you start to think, can I rely on him? 
I better take matters into my own hands. I better decide to act on my own. And the flood scars begin to build. Doubt, anxiety. And if they're not kept in check, they become a conditioned response of self-protection and self-reliance and self-preservation because God wasn't there for me. I know he exists. I know who he is. I'm still here. I'm sitting in church. But maybe I need to be more self-reliant and not reliant on God who seems to drop me after I sacrificed everything for him. Noah came out of the, out of the ark objectively safe. He was safe. He survived but he was internally unsafe. What does that mean? Yeah, God did what he promised, but he came out scarred and changed. And in the, in the uh, 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 description of Noah's name, there's a difference in the name now. And it goes from being the righteous Noah to kind of the self-reliant Noah. And so we can walk around and we can look safe and healthy and good. But internally, we can have scars that seem to not want to go away. If it was nowadays, they would have called this PTSD, depression, anxiety, you name it. What happened in his life. This is a traumatic event. And so this morning, we have to ask ourselves, which arc am I on? This, this is, she's up there. So this is my boat. It's actually my wife's boat. When my dad died two months ago, we found out my wife has stage three cancer. And, and she's fought hard. She's doing a great job. She got through four chemo sessions. She has to go through six, then have surgery, then have radiation, uh, a year of injections after that. And she's fighting hard. But she's on this arc that you don't know where it, where it lands. And she served God, and she still serves God. What arc are you on in your life today? Is it school? Is it your career? Is it relationships? Is it kids' issues? Is it health issues? Is it retirement? Is, are you disillusioned by the outcome of your life? This isn't what I expected when I said, I will go anywhere, do anything, and I was baptized, and I came out of that water ready to change the world. What scars of the flood you're going through or went through still remain, 
and you've changed from I'll go anywhere and do anything God, God commanded, I'm going to do it and I'm passionate. And I'm going to change the world for God. To this didn't feel good, where's God? Do you remember me and who I was and what I've done? And it's dark and it's long. It's months, it's years of hardship. You know, these experiences switch us from relying on God and walking out on faith like Peter walked out right on the water, if you know that story. And they change us to taking our own route, the unintended route. And there's consequences of those things. Sometimes we feel alone. If you're like me, before you became a Christian, maybe you're not a Christian in the room, you had lots of friends at school, at work, you had lots of acquaintances, you could go to a party, a big old house party, and you still felt like alone around so many people. They didn't know you, they didn't know who you really were, they were good friends, but there was something in there that you felt alone. And separation happens, and they're very real things. And so Noah goes about, he decides, hey, I better figure this out. And he initiates his own actions. And he sends the birds, right? And first, first he sends the raven. And the raven flies around and doesn't land anywhere. And so then he sticks his hand out this hole. Because remember, he can't see that the breath of God, right, this wind is now receding, he doesn't know, am I going to die on this thing? What is going on? This bird will be my eyes. And so he lifts the dove up and he pushes it out. And the dove goes around and comes back to his hand. There's nowhere to land. And so Noah waits. We'll read that. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again, but this time it did not return. And so it goes out and he figures out, God says, hey, come off the ark. They finally land. He actually waits more time on the ark even after it landed. And God says, come out of the ark and Noah uncovers the ark. And it's very interesting that it says Noah uncovers the ark because who shut them in? God. Who did Noah do everything for before? God. Noah only did things when God commanded him. But now we have this switch. After this traumatic experience where he says, I'm going to take it into my own hands. I'm going to start sending these birds. We got to do something. We're going to die here. There's no plan. God is radio silent. And he uncovers it himself. And God says, hey, get off the boat. I'm going to make this altar. God, you know, he, he says, okay, I, I still believe in you, God. I love you. I'm going to sacrifice this stuff. Okay, you're going to make this covenant. Cool, there's a covenant. You're not going to do this ever again. Awesome, God. I agree. Okay, thanks. Builds him the altar. But then something goes awry. And he begins to take more and more initiative on his own 
and less and less from before of doing what God commanded him. And he becomes a farmer. He makes a vine. He makes wine. He gets drunk, numbs out, gets intoxicated, right? He removes his, cl- his clothing. Something odd happens. He gets caught. And that's what puts him into a fight. You, you often think, was it just because, was he mad at his son? Or was he really mad because he compromised in his morals, he compromised in his righteousness, and he was exposed? And he got angry. You ever been exposed? Doing something you shouldn't have done? Yeah. Yeah, we all have. And your response is, you got angry. We noted before, Noah came out objectively safe, but internally he was unsafe. And he's planting the vineyards and he's making a life, but maybe Noah is still actually caught in that flood. Maybe there's something inside. That scar that never healed. The trust, the anxiety, when he felt not remembered by God. And maybe what happens is that self-initiative, I got to do something, I'm going to send the bird, and he starts doing all these things on his own without God's commands. And maybe that becomes his new lifestyle. Oh yeah, I love God. I'm sitting in church, aren't I? But the heart is separated from the passion and the zeal and the wholeheartedness to serve God. God, who is a center of our lives, becomes kind of next to the other things I got to do if I even remember to spend time with them in the morning. And so we ask, hey, listen, okay, I get it. Noah went through some stuff. That's cool. But he should be better now because God came through and he saved him. God came through. What was wrong with that? Right? God made it happen. But it doesn't always work that way. And Noah progressively changes from the outward-focused person of serving others and serving God and saving others to a life about himself. Serving himself, saving himself. Have you found yourself like this? Honest question. Has serving God become more about, does it fit with what I want and my schedule and my life? Because my career didn't turn out like it was supposed to. My marriage didn't turn out like it was supposed to. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And what you find, if you don't deal with it, is it progressively gets worse and worse and more self-focused. You might be in your own flood right now. Flood of sadness and anger from your childhood. Something that happened. Flood of guilt from the impurity that you're constantly battling with and in. Pain from abuse, physical, emotional, mental. Flood of bitterness from your life not turning out how you dream. Divorce, illness, deaths, addictions, you name it. What flood deep down might still be affecting your trust in God? 
And you say, but I was found. I'm a baptized follower of Jesus the King. God made a covenant with me. Right? Yeah, but God's not a quick fix genie. It takes time and effort and grit. What God does is he allows us to heal. He allows us to heal. He gives us the opportunity to push through and overcome, but it's not easy. And it takes work, and it takes sweat, and it takes grit. But there is hope. There is hope. And if you find yourself in the flood right now, like Noah did, or you spend some time this next, the rest of the day or this weekend, and kind of in the back of your mind, you go, man, the Spirit's working. There is something. I've changed. I'm not the same man or woman that I was when I first found God. And I want to be. I want a life of impact. I want relationships that are deep because I've just gone to my small group or church again alone as if nobody knows me. I'm there and I'm participating, but I don't have that relationship, that depth. I bet many people are feeling that. And the way that we beat it, right? I was supposed to be flipping through these, and I missed it. But I spent a lot of time on this. All right. The way that we beat it, right? My terms, my goals, my life. Jesus taught us that. And someone mentioned the 40 days fasting. And we're going to wrap up right here. We're going to take communion. I just have a video and another slide after this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Right? We know the old story. He puts doubt into him already. If you're the Son of God. Satan knew he was the Son of God. He knew what the game was. But if you are, right? The, old te the, the tempter. Jesus responds, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand at the height point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, doubt again. Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, but they will lift you up in their hands, that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus again answered him. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will just bow down and worship me. Forget that other stuff. Forget serving. It goes nowhere. Serve me. Serve yourself. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. And Jesus went out and began to preach. There is a sharp contrast between the way Noah, after 40 days, and imagine fasting 40 days, at least Noah got to eat. How's your mentality after fasting three days? How about one day, right? Sell your soul for a cup of soup, right? 40 days, intense, fatigue emotional fatigue, pain. The contrast is that Jesus came back with what was true and right and trustworthy. And that internal dialogue, he voiced it. 
And it didn't go, where's God? Does he remember me? He says, no, you know what? This is who God is, and this is what God commands, and I'm still going to do it. And he fought through it. And he overcame. And he was sustained. Oh. Before we watch this last video, I'm going to pray for communion. We'll watch the video, and then I have a scripture, and you can pray and take communion. Okay? If you're in that flood, get help. If you're in that flood or you think there's something there, you're not mature, you're not growing, you're not getting deeper with God, instead you're becoming more independent, you need help. Deal with it. Unbox it. Go back to it. Jesus is the answer to overcoming it. God's word is the answer and the truth that can help you heal, but it takes grit and time and energy. It doesn't mean you can let loose for the rest of your life and say, oh, I was just this, so don't count me for anything. No, it's the exact opposite. You jump in both feet. You fully invest your heart and your soul and your strength and your mind. Let's pray for communion. We'll watch the video. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for the story of Noah. Thank you for showing us how to overcome when the odds seem insurmountable. Thank you for showing us how to deal with our internal thoughts as Satan tries to tempt us and whisper in our ears and our minds and our hearts to not get closer but to move further away. Help us, God, to put you first, to love you with all our heart and soul and to love our neighbor, God, with everything we have. We're so grateful for your son dying on the cross. I know it's right there. You're right there for the taking every day. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Is there any way to turn down the lights? Could we turn down so we could actually see the video? Could we do that? Could you, could you turn down the lights? I know in the, the usher room. Thank you so much. I think, I think you'll have, I'll do it. I'll be right back.
Thank you.